great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone. What has been going on in this wide, wide world of events? It is me, Alyssa, and I am your host for today, here to introduce a very special episode. Now, some background before we get into this week's episode. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we hosted our Cvent Connect Europe event at the Intercontinental at the O2 in London, where we had thousands of registrations uh, come in from all over Europe to attend this event. Uh, very similar to our US-based event. The day is really chock full of not only amazing speakers, we have great content, but we've also got really fun networking experiences as well. Um, it's over the course of three days. We kind of have one pre-event where there's training that's involved and then two days of um, you know action-packed, back-to-back uh, -back content and all that stuff. So this year, we also hosted our first ever leadership summit for our European customers. We've done that at our U.S. event. This was the first time we kind of brought that programming element to the European uh, event as well. And so the leadership summit is a little bit different than the rest of the conference, where we're primarily talking all things event tech. At the leadership summit, we kind of take a bigger bird's eye view and we talk about some of those bigger picture trends very similar to what we have here on the podcast every day. And this is really uh, where we're able to talk about kind of the effectiveness surrounding how leaders run their programs. And so some of those topics that we're, we're really hyper-focused on this year was around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then this subset that really centered on women in leadership. Now, unlike the rest of the event, where all of that great content is hosted within our attendee hub, our conference hub for replay, you can watch everything on demand after the fact, the Leadership Summit is a pretty gated experience, which is why this podcast is so special for our listeners today, as we have decided to give unprecedented access to our podcast listeners and share with you one of those panel conversations from the Leadership Summit. So without further delay... I give you this year's Cvent Connect Europe Leadership Summit. Have we broken the glass ceiling? I would love to introduce the four lovely, amazing ladies. So um, I will start with Muriel. Muriel Palanc is a strategic and proactive sales leader with more than 15 years of experience in the hospitality industry. In her current role at Radisson Hotels, she is working alongside many teams from different cultures and territories to develop new revenue streams, supports Radisson Hotels in achieving their commercial meetings and events targets, and supports the implementation of consistent processes and procedures to achieve meetings and events operational efficiencies. Tall order there. We have Marsha Jackson, Project Director for the Conscious Advertising Network, an organization that seeks to break the economic link between advertising and harmful content that divides communities, excludes diverse voices, exploits children, and undermines scientific consensus. And I have Winnie over here. Winnie is EMEA's head of marketing at Seismic, which is the global leader in enablement, helping organizations engage customers, enable teams, and ignite revenue growth efficiently. And lastly, 
Stacey Fontenot, this event's Senior Vice President of Marketing and is the founder and executive sponsor of our Women in Leadership program. She has over 25 years of experience in marketing global marketing organizations, largely in the technology sector. She has a distinct pleasure of rolling out CVENT's own diversity, inclusion, and equity program. So with that, it is my pleasure to be sharing this stage with you today. So I'd love to dive right in with our first question. And I believe our first question is for Winnie. So let's talk broadly about this conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion. We started this whole conversation today in our leadership panel about that very thing. Um, so what do you believe is kind of the organization or the obligation of the organization as it relates to DE&I? And as a leader within this industry, what responsibility do you personally take to help um, other women get a seat at the table? Very, very big question and, and very, very um, happy to be here and share a moment with you. I think to take the step back, first of all, I would like to just uh, emphasize there's a slightly difference between diversity, inclusivity, and equality. The equality at its core is about fairness. Diversity is about celebrating and respecting differences. But inclusivity, that's usually I would like to see as an emphasis for organizations and leaders because inclusivity plays an emphasis on the process and the environment where you encourage the integration of different presence and ideas and contributions. And that is fairly powerful, in fact, when you think about the business concept and context and obligation of an organization. You might have a very diverse workplace, but you might not have a very diverse management. Mm. And therefore, you don't really have an inclusive environment where different values and perspectives and contributions can easily, organically be presented. So it comes down to um, having that cl clarity around what you would like to achieve within um, the business context and limitations you might have. Sometimes I look at uh, Scandinavian countries. I, I worked, once worked for Nokia. They seem to have a, a, a probably more advanced way to embed a different type of um, ways of living and or, uh, ways of working into their working processes and business processes. So if you think about um, just take male and female diversity topics, it's not uncommon for a woman to be the primary care in the family, and therefore it is quite logical to say that women will have slightly different requirements when it comes to work-life processes, work-life balances. So what do organizations and as leaders can do to ensure that we provide a supportive environment that encourages the retention and development of the female talents in the organization? In the UK, there are things we can do, like pay parity, shared uh, parental leave, for example, uh, flexible working is a big one, etc. Et Ultimately, I think as leaders, we have the opportunity to really understand what's going on in our industry, in our organization, have a way to collect data, and through data to bring forward transparency, so we can analyze potentially where the gaps are, what opportunities might be, for the organization to address potential gaps for the benefit of a better workforce and ultimately to drive business performance. Yeah, I'd like to add a little bit to that. Yeah, so I've been at CVET for about eight years and we started a women in leadership program probably about six years ago and felt like it was important because we saw women who are kind of in that middle management State, but they, they needed to rise. And so we did a couple of different things. We created a mentorship program 
Um, and at first it was for our middle management. And then over the last couple of years, we've included it to all women. And now we have men joining the conversation too. And so now we pair hundreds of women at Cvent with other female leaders, other male leaders. Um, and this year, I've even paired male to male leaders <laughs> together because they wanted to be part of the program, which is great. <laughs> so we've done that. We've also noticed that we had attrition at, uh, you know, with uh, new moms. And so one of the things that we did was support uh, and, and create a community for working moms. And it's really kind of targeted to women who have young children. We have hundreds of women um, in that it's a Slack channel uh, that just go through topics and it, there's a lot going on there. But what we did, and I, probably one of the most uh, proud things that I've ever done in my entire career was about a year and a half ago, our CEO, Reggie, asked me to present and roll out our DEI initiative um, across the entire company. And we looked at the data, and that was the first time in 25 years I'd ever seen the data on demographics. Um, and he wanted to be transparent um, with the base to figure out like where we had diversity issues and where we were doing really well. Um, I'm happy to say we, we were doing quite well compared to other tech companies. We benchmarked ourselves. It was really interesting just to see the data and have that knowledge. And I don't know if, how many people have seen uh, the diversity data at your organizations, but it was um, really well received uh, so that we know where we need to focus. Yeah, I think one of the kind of common denominators, and I like to think about even very, very big pie in the sky type things, the impact of culture on organization and how the organization reacts to culture. I think at CVEN is a perfect example. Our culture was changing and the organization was not keeping up. And it sounded very similar to what you were talking about, Winnie, where when you were working at Nokia, the culture was not necessarily reflected in the environment either. It sounds like that was the case. So using data to say we are not a representation of that culture right now is how you can actually push the C-suite to pay attention. So it's really interesting commentary. I did have a question for you, Marsha, and it's related to what Stacy was talking about just a second ago about being kind of stuck in the middle. It's something that I certainly can relate to. In many ways, women, we can get stuck at a certain point in our career. So how do you push through those barriers? If you were to kind of give some mentorship advice, you don't have to give it to me directly, but I'm sure that someone in this audience can relate to that notion. Can you give some examples of how you're capable of doing that, how you've pushed through boundaries in your own career? So I think I'll um, start with quite a, just what we were speaking about before we came on stage. Karen asked me to come and speak at the leadership Ooh. summit. And I was like, me? Why would I be here to talk to them? And she's like, you're a leader. And actually, I think the point at which I got stuck in my career was at mid-management where I wasn't facilitated with, from my own perspective and in the environments I was working with, the belief that I could push upwards. So this is actually a kind of a, a really important point. So we've also spoken about between ourselves introverts and extroverts. Who's been heard on the team? Who are we listening to? And as a leadership team, are we enabling our teams that maybe work underneath us, alongside us, those lower, slightly lower down in the organisation, to know that their voices will be heard and there's opportunities for them, even if they don't fit a certain mould. So I'm also a parent. I was always slightly outside of the group of people that might go down to the pub 
how was I going to break through those barriers without actually being in those circles? It's about enabling people to be in the room sometimes when they're not there. So actually, not only mentors, but advocates, I, would, I kind of strongly believe in. So who's going to be my advocate when I'm not around or I'm not in the room? And what am I actually showing my advocates in terms of having confidence in me and what I can do? So not only my skill set, but also the leadership team making sure that they are enabling I would say voices to be heard that potentially aren't heard. So we spoke about data, and particularly, I think, more recently in the area of DE&I. Is that data being used in the most effective way? There's a danger that you take the data and you assume certain things, and that it's not being kind of levied to what's going on in the ground, on the ground. So how do you hear the voices that are kind of really speaking about the data that you've kind of gathered? So it's taking the data and making sure that from a real-life perspective, people think their voices and their opinions are being heard. One of the things I didn't want to do today is come into the, to the room and kind of teach Granny how to suck eggs. <laughs> I will say that one of my team said to me, what is that? I was like, everybody knows what that is. So it's again, it's... Was he American? Because we don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm like, aha, uh -huh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Sure, sucking of the eggs. It is, see, this is it. So it's creaking on a message that's already known and already uh, heard. Gotcha. And those are assumptions that we can actually, we can also take on board. We can also have on our shoulders. We actually think people in the room already know. Reverse mentoring, that's, what's, that's one of the big things that mm. I, I think works really, really well. So taking C-suite and actually them, matching them up with somebody who is who has the ambitions and the kind of the, the aims to kind of work at that level and actually hearing what they've got to say from that perspective, not only from a problematic point of view, but also from a point of view of how do I get there? What's the trajectory? Everybody's story inside this room is different. And are we hearing that stories can be different, but there's also value in, in the differences that we, we hold? So was I ever stuck? Yes, I would definitely say that. How did I get round that, that issue, I would say um, back at that point, maybe about sort of 10, 15 years ago, I think I employed my own skills to navigate round. I really wanted to be in the room and I had to put myself there. But now I think we don't need to make it as hard. We need to identify those skill sets and those, those kind of, those real shining stars and those future leaders and make sure they feel enabled. If that's the path that they want to take, that they can get there regardless of their backgrounds. I think part of it is also the individual knowing where they want to go and having a, a, a champion who will help them to figure that out, right? Because sometimes it's not so known, and I know I suffer from that, not having the PowerPoint presentation of my life that says, in two years I'd like to be here, in five years I'd like to be here. It's not always that known, right? And sometimes it takes somebody to give you the confidence to build you up and to kind of roadmap and navigate those challenges that you may be suffering from internally, right? Absolutely. And and also, there's, a, there's another side to that. We, we talk about, we, we are leaders. We talk about being leaders. Not everybody wants to be a leader. Right. So it's asking those really valuable questions at the, at, at the, the sort of the starting point. Not wanting to be a leader is not a lack of ambition. It's just saying that, you know, I'm comfortable here, but there may well be people in your teams that do want to be leaders and how do you facilitate that? Right. So it's really understanding that cross-section of people in front of you. Yeah, also understanding and embracing that diversity absolutely. and needs of your team, right? Not, we absolutely. are not all created equal. We also don't all want the same things from the workplace. So trying to force that almost puts unnecessary pressure sometimes, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And also, the, the very final sort of point I'd make is that 
we all have biases within us. Mm. So you, you see me sitting here as a black woman um, who's got children. It doesn't mean that I don't have my own biases that I need to tackle every single day as I go into any one given situation or certain scenarios to make sure that there's a level playing field for everybody. So that's it. it's about lack of assumption. It's, it's about being open. Um, and again, um, I think continually questioning the processes that happen within your organisation to make sure that they are as transparent and as open and as fair and as inclusive as possible to everybody and not assuming that it's happening, actually making sure that it is. Yeah. Okay, Mariela, I, I want to get you into the conversation here. So let's talk about the bigger concept of progress. I think you've been in, a, in a, probably a very, very male-dominated space being in the hospitality industry. So I'd love to have your perspective on what changes have you seen over the last 10 years? Yeah, exactly. So in, in hospitality, I think we, we were very much 10 years, 20 years ago working like, okay, because you're a woman, you have this opportunity of job only in this department. Before, we never see like ladies cooking, it was always the head chef, and there was a change of this mentality, but also was us looking about removing genders, you know, that it's about your skills, it's about what you want to do, and uh, it's also linked link to what you were saying, Winnie, like, Wadison is ultimately a Scandinavian company, so when I started, almost 20 years ago, we were already um, women as a GM, so this was something that was also supporting us, but also supporting the industry to say, look, any opportunity, any possibility, you can also work in our industry. So this was something we worked quite hard. Also, I think the, the model changed. We were talking about tech, we were talking about how it's even now, but the hospitality is not anymore that you deliver a service, you are delivering an experience. And a quick example of what, what we do, but for me was a, a red change when we created the white brand, what is on red. That now when we are doing interviews, it's not just people going and coming, it has been changed to casting. So it was any people who want to come for this position, more than welcome, coming with different ideas. And it's also linked to the, in a way, the new generation, because you want to be multitasking. You don't want to be into a silo like us. If we look about how we are as leader, we have multi. We can do different, let's say, project. We can lead different people. I mean, this is also linked about the, the new generation. So, the, I think the talents. I don't want to. Yeah, I want this and I will finish. That's why we have this multitasking help us to have lots of GM any gender, I would say, any culture, which is something like a strong into the hospitality industry because anybody has a chance to really grow and have, let's say, a leader position into the company. Yeah, and it, it's, it's seemingly like that possibility exists now because the model has been, the precedent is there now and so you have all these exemplary individuals that are within the organization that show you the way as a lower level individual, right? That give you, I don't just have to be a chef or a cook or whatever it is, no. right? Yeah. And you were starting, let's say, maybe housekeeping. The right. best position would be general housekeeping. Nobody was thinking, okay, you can become a general manager. 15 years ago, for the first, let's say, in hospitality, the first luxurious hotels, it was impossible that you have a, a woman can handle, right. let's say, a, a big property. Breaking down limits, breaking down preconceived exactly. notions. And that's why I think looking about the gender was a key for me steps we've done into the industry to make it happen. 
Stacey, I'd actually like, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Because we have a room full of meetings and events professionals, right? And many are women in, in, in leadership roles. And I know you've sat on many panels that have been very specific. We're talking very broadly women in leadership here and the role that leaders play. But you've been on panels that are very exclusive to the meetings and events industry. So I'm trying to, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit about some of the changes that you've seen in our industry as it pertains to women in leadership and how we get this quote unquote seat at the table, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's really interesting, and I would say even in the last five years, even at Cement Connect mm -hmm. um, Europe, I've seen so many different changes, and I think the pandemic really kind of fueled it. From my perspective, I think there's more conversation than ever before. And, you know, when even for Cement Connect, we do like product solution sessions and things like that, and we started to say, hey, there needs to be more conversation. And so we started doing these sessions, and they were the highest rated sessions, typically, and we realized that people wanted to be part of this community and talk about it. I have thoroughly enjoyed this morning's sessions with all the different speakers, because it's given me a different way to think about things. And when I think of brand and marketing, I love the idea of inclusive marketing. Uh, we are no longer an event management software company. It's a piece of us but who we are and our mission statement and how we think about diversity and sustainability and accessibility, we are now on a global stage and people are expecting us to answer that question. And not only for our organization, but for your organization, right? People wanna do business with organizations that have purpose um, and know where they stand. What's really interesting is I've worked with Alyssa for a long time and she is pushing me too. And she's leading our sustainability effort at Cvent and she's asking me questions. Stacy, why aren't we spending more time on this? Like how can we organize a group that can dive deeper into this? And it's been interesting, but I think as an organization and within the meeting and events professional, group, we have a responsibility to even display it, right? So how we think of content, who we think are the, going to be the presenters, we have the opportunity to really influence that. And so we really think a lot about the content that we produce and then who we partner with is really important. Right, well. and, and admittedly, maybe we were negligent for a while not fostering these types of conversations, yeah. right? Like we didn't really start doing these types of women in leadership conversations till 2018-ish, Yeah, maybe? and I will tell you, Europe is, is, pushing the boundaries. is pushing the boundaries more than the US. And I love coming over here because the conversations are just at a very different level. And it's because you have diverse cultures and whatnot, but you have so much more diversity of thought. And so I enjoy doing these things. Yep. As do I. Okay, so Winnie, I have a question for you on this one. So giving some feedback to the room, actionable actions that they can take to continue to make progress towards this. I, the question says feedback for women or advice you can give to women, but there are many men in this room too. So I'm gonna challenge you to potentially think outside the boundaries of the question that we'd prepared and think about not only the women in the room, but also the role that men play in this conversation as well. Yeah, I'm reflecting on conversation throughout this morning, listening to um, all the distinct speakers in, in the dialogue just here. I really do like to say that perhaps Karen, you invited me here, is to show that actually there are different kinds of prototype of leadership that can exist when given an opportunity. 
I mean, I'm probably slower talking, quieter, maybe more analytical, and therefore can come across as weaker versus perhaps more assertive colleagues. The organization I've worked for, luckily, given me the opportunity to apply my skills and to be able to bring the contribution to the business. It is possible. Plus, I would like to say that when we feel comfortable with ourselves, I'm sitting here thinking I'm really different. Not just my look and my accent, but the way I come across perhaps is quite different. But that is okay. It's okay to be comfortable with ourselves, and when we are comfortable with ourselves, we can project confidence. And that quiet confidence gives us the power to influence, to show how there's perhaps a different way of coexistence that can be more inclusive, that different presence, as what we talked about before, different way of thinking can actually integrate. So organization will be in a better position to innovate. So your staff feel more included and therefore they look forward to go to work. You have better staff engagement, you have better staff retention, more opportunity to recruit a diverse workforce. The benefits goes on and on and on. So I think ultimately it's about respecting the individuals within ourselves, regardless of male, female, yeah. or sexual orientation, religious. It comes down to that humanity, I think. Marsha, I, I would like to pass the mic to you and see if you have anything to add to that question too. I love the way that you started in, in terms of there's a cross-section of people inside this room. I think it's really important to, to point out that it's fine to talk about kind of, you know, DE&I, but we can't talk about it simply amongst ourselves. And the most challenging and the best conversations is when I'm not talking to me. I'm talking to a cross-section. So it's, uh -huh. it's men, it's, it's women, it's from people to people, people with different, uh, who have different sexual orientations, etc. It's, it's across the board, and I kind of I picked out the key ones there, but it's also about neurodiversity. I don't mm. just want to talk to me. I want to talk to everybody. Those conversations are really safe when you just talk to peers. Widen the conversations and making sure that there's loads of voices in the room. It's fantastic. Okay, I would like to do kind of a lightning round recap here. Round robin, what's kind of the big, big picture takeaway from this conversation here? What do you want to leave the audience with today? I've just gone blank. Um. <laughs> yeah, take, give it back. <laughs> that comment there is it's actually, as a leader, if you're looking at potential newer talent coming up through the organization, allow them to be themselves. Allow them to really show you the talents that they have and make sure their voices are heard. If it's not from you directly, that there's a mechanism to be heard throughout the organization. Being myself, I think, is the biggest thing that allowed me to become unstuck. But quieter voices, as Willie has pointed out. So how do you hear those quieter voices right. as well? I, I have to say, I like the words that you actually have had prepared. Safe spaces is really important. Because Winnie, you just said something. You're like, I came here and I have a softer voice, and that's OK. It's not just OK, it's needed. Like, we needed you here, right? Like, that was an important perspective to have in a conversation like this. So you feeling safe to even say that and express that level of vulnerability, I think that's a really important perspective that's needed in these conversations. It shouldn't just be a room of extroverts. We'd all be exhausted by the end of that. I don't need to be in a room full of people like me, clearly like I can do this, but I need people like Winnie, like Marsha, like Muriel, like Stacy, that will push me forward as well because those are the perspectives that enrich in our lives as well. So Muriel, I'd love to have your takeaways for the audience as well. Yeah, for me it's more like the, the legacy that we give the confidence to the people to speak and to, let's say, 
engage with the next generation. Mm. So, yes, we have the next generation that we are currently helping, leading, giving the tools to make it happen, but I would like them also to continue this journey. So we, it's just a start. This is what I was saying at the beginning. We just start by doing, but it has to continue. I think um, that's huge because we're in such a divisive time. I feel that immensely where it's the Gen Z, millennial, all the fracturing of all the things. There was a session yesterday on the centennials. How do we handle the centennials? It's handle them, right? Like don't alienate and don't say they're different, they're weird, they're awful. Embrace what they bring to the table. Give your wisdom, give your, un, your insights as well, but kind of create that partnership, which I think exactly. is really, and yeah. Their values are different than the ones that we have and not our parents used to have. So I think it's also, and, and I put this as an example to this session, like they were looking about other value, yeah. like sustainability, it's a key one for them. So yeah. this is something they need to continue and embrace. And I would say the next generation should find and support the one after and so on, because the world will change, so right. the value will change. They may have the answers to the questions exactly. that we don't have right now. Okay, Stacey, your takeaway. Yeah, just listening to the rest of the panelists, what I think about is we are all women, but we are so different and we have diversity of thought. And I think ultimately that's the most important thing that we can share. For the men in the room, I don't know if we answered the what can you do, be part of the conversation. Your voice is super important because we gain different perspectives. So Yeah, well, it's encouraging that they didn't leave the room, right? Because I would say when you were re referencing in 2018, right, when we were having these conversations, it was all women. So the change that I've noticed is we've got nice representation in here. It's like, it's pretty 50-50, which means there is allyship, there is a partnership that's going on here, which will help everybody be more diverse and equal in our roundtable discussions, no matter where they're happening. The impact of culture on organizations Organizations and organizations and echoing back to culture and I don't know like you're right like sometimes the culture is so instilled in the organization that it's very very hard to change that and are we is it I don't want to say do we need to but it's what's the trade-off here how do we push how do we push those environments to think differently and that is a societal conversation and it's not an organizational conversation can I try to answer this one maybe perhaps think about it slightly differently is do you have the data and the transparency to show you perhaps where the gaps might be mm. in your specific business context? So I found that before the organization understands where the limits are, it's really hard to realize the strategy into operational reality. And that can only come about when the organization has a conscious and deliberate way of collecting data on pay, on performance, how do we judge performance? Do I get judged based on my communication skill or based on evidence of performance? How I bring pipeline into the company? How I build the brand? Is it my work or me? Right, so that kind of very subtle but powerful way of collecting and categorizing, implementing data into processes in your organization within a context of the limitation could be an important and useful step one have kind of a similar but different take. So you're, you're talking about how do you impact 
outside of your own organisation, outside of the industry. And we started with conversation. So conversation is really important. So if you continue to bring the elements and the points in terms of what you're doing within your own organisation to your third-party suppliers or the people that you, you partner with or anybody sort of in the sphere of your business, that opens the door. I think if you then take what you say is the data within your own organisation, and we're all talking about business, right? So it's about uplift. So where can we show within our own organisations, but taking the right decisions in terms of the leadership position, the, the diversity within the organisers actually being successful for you. And if you bring that as success to somebody else, there you have the evidence, but you've also got the opener for the conversation. I'm going to do a really shameful plug for the Conscious Advertising Network. Okay? So, Conscious Advertising Network has a range of benefits <laughs> that allows you to kind of open up those conversations and look at the kind of the areas and gaps within your own organisation that might need to be addressed. So, you might not need it in your organisation, but somebody might need an environment point, not only from your perspective, but also from other organisations that can make it easier. Sometimes the leaders don't do things because it looks hard. Sometimes it can be for very established and kind of well-embedded, very large organisations. Smaller organisations might find it easier to be more agile, mm. but you have to start the conversation. I think we are at time, but thank you guys so much for this yes. conversation, you ladies. I say you guys because my mom's from the Northeast, so it happens. But thank you, ladies, for joining this conversation, and thank you all for participating. All right, listeners, thank you all so much for tuning into that conversation. And once again, I would like to thank all of those panelists who were in participation at the Leadership Summit as part of this session, Winnie, Muriel, Marsha, and Stacy, for bringing all of those awesome insights, those leader-level perspectives to this conversation. I believe our leaders who are listening in on this episode gained a little bit of something as well. So if you would like to learn a little bit more about Cvent Connect, both the US event and the European event, um, I strongly encourage you to hop on over to cventconnect.com where you can pre-register for our upcoming 2023 events taking place next summer and next fall in their respective markets. And as always, send us a LinkedIn message, DM us on Instagram, or shoot us a note at greatevents at cvent.com and we will feature you on an upcoming episode. Once again, my name is Alyssa, and thanks for tuning in to Great Events. Have a great rest of the week.